what is full of holes but still holds water. A sponge. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Starting Sustainability. This is episode 90. Woo! <laughs> I am your host, Kaylin Chenoweth. Let me tell you about my past weekend. It was nuts. <laughs> so, on Friday night, I gave the younger one of my kids a bath, and we were all done. And then Big Brother walked in and also wanted to take a bath which was completely fine. The bathtub had mostly drained out. There was a little bit of water left, so I went ahead and pulled the little one out, put the big one in, <laughs> turned on the water to fill it back up so that way he could enjoy a bath, which is fine. My mistake was while I was in the bathroom with the two kids, I turned my back to get the lotion and the diaper and the pajamas. And when I turned back around, the little one had pooped right in the middle of the bathroom rug and he stepped in it too. So then he had to see what he stepped in and he grabbed it with his hands. So now there's poop all over the rug, his feet and his hands and the toilet and everything else that he's touched in the, I swear, 1.2 seconds that I wasn't looking at them. <laughs> so I very quickly got the older one out of the bathtub, put the younger one in the bathtub to wash him off. Then I had to drain all the water down. Now the older one had a bath for approximately 30 whole seconds at this point and was very upset. So <laughs> once the water drained out and I cleaned the bathtub, then I put the big one back in and filled the bathtub up again so that way he could actually have a bath. And this time little one wanted to be back in the bathtub as well, which I didn't care. He can go for a second, third bath. I lost count at this point, <laughs> which is fine. The bathtub didn't even make it to the halfway full point and little one pooped again because apparently he wasn't done. Yes, now we are draining the bathtub for a third time this evening to get rid of the poopy, nasty water. I soaped up the kids again. This time I was smart and just did the shower. We're done with the bath at this point. Just did the shower, rinsed them off, disinfected the bathtub, got everybody out of the bathtub. Everybody's upset and cranky because it's past bedtime. They didn't get to finish their baths. I've had it because I've already had a super long stressful day at work. And then I got to come home to this mess. Oh, I left out the whole reason we even started this bath process in the first place because we ate dinner and the little one threw up all over himself. That's why we initially had to go take a bath. So it's been a real doozy of a Friday evening. <laughs> and after all of this cleaning, I sat there and thought to myself, this is why I take five minute showers. <laughs> I have to compensate for the amount of water that my children require for hygiene. That would be sustainable failure number one of the weekend. Day two, Saturday. I get this great idea. Let's go to the county fair. It's been going all week long. Today's the last day. We're going to go to the county fair because it's just like going to the zoo, except it's a whole lot closer. So we don't have to drive as far. It's local. So we are supporting all the local kids and their projects and the farmers that are there. My kids will get to see the animals. It'll be real quick, in and out, maybe an hour max, so we can still do a whole lot of other stuff for the rest of the day. This is a great, great, great idea. Not to mention, we're gonna be saving a ton of money because the last time we went to zoo is like over 70 bucks between parking and the tickets alone. So now it's gonna be free, <laughs> which is always great. Sustainable for my pocket anyways. We get there right at 11 a.m. 
And it turns out 11 a.m. is opening time (laughs) for the county fair. It's early, which is great because that means we beat the crowds. And 11 a.m. is early? I've never been early at 11 a.m. Anyways, worked out really well for us. Beat the crowd. We get there. We go straight to where the barns are to look at all the animals. And we find the pig barn and it's empty. Then we find the cow barn and it's empty. Then we find the goat and sheep barn and it's also empty. Even the ducks and rabbits area, completely empty. Where the heck did all the animals go? Turns out they all left Friday night after the auction. So no animals, failure on my end. Now my kids are bummed and we've walked around in the heat for about 40 minutes at this point looking for these animals that don't exist. In a desperate attempt to save the trip, We decide to go walk around the little carnival area. Okay, we'll just go over there. We'll do a couple of rides. We'll still salvage this family fun adventure. We get over there. The rides don't open until noon. Okay, we have 20 minutes to kill. We can do this. We'll just walk around some more in the blistering sun. There's no shade anywhere. We're walking around. And of course, now the little, the older one is asking, I want to ride that. I want to ride that. I want to ride that. Like, it's okay, it's, uh, we're going to do that. We got to get the tickets. We got to wait for them to open. We're just waiting for the slowest clock to tick right now. Finally, it's noon. We go stand in line to get tickets. We have to stand in a super duper long line to get tickets because by now it's built up. We finally get up there and the tickets are ridiculously expensive because all the rides are saying, oh, one ticket, two tickets, three tickets. Well, it's almost $2 per ticket. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. Okay, change of plan. We're only going to do one ride. It's the merry-go-round, the end. We only need to get four tickets. (laughs) And that is just so the two kids can ride and I will be an accompanying adult to hold on to the one-year-old. Fine, no problem. Then we have to go stand in line for the merry-go-round. And we wait, and we wait, and we wait. And it's finally our turn and we get on the merry-go-round and we're so excited, we're going to save this day. The older one gets on his horse. I put the little one on the horse right beside him. I'm in between the two. I'm holding them. And then right when it's time for the ride to start, they let off a bell. Really loud. I did not pay attention to the fact that we are right in front of the stupid bell speaker. So it is insanely loud. Loud enough so that it scared my children. They started freaking out and crying. So here we go around the merry-go-round. Everybody's happy and dandy except my kids. They're freaking out and panicking and crying. And they want the ride to be over. And it's just miserable. (laughs) Three very short laps later around the merry-go-round, the ride ends. And immediately the older one says, I want to do it again. What? (laughs) No, we are not repeating this experience. It has been miserable enough. We're going to head home now. The end. We're done. That was the longest wait to go on an overly priced, unmerry go-round. Then on Sunday, I did can another batch of barbecue sauce, and I tweaked the recipe this time, and my husband put it on the smoker for a couple of hours too, so now it has a really delicious, savory, smoky flavor added to it, and it is oh so good. With this batch, I got to try out the reusable canning lids, and the directions are significantly much more complex than regular lids, but I think I got it. (laughs) When I asked others about the reusable canning lids, the feedback I got was that they're pretty unreliable, that they may or may not work, that you have to develop a feel for them. So I did half of the jars with the reusable lids and the other half with the single-use canning lids just because I didn't want them all to go bad (laughs) because that's a whole lot of barbecue sauce that didn't take, that would have to get pitched. Luckily enough, they took 
and all of my jars are properly sealed and good to go for the next year or so. Yay! For the rest of this week, my focus is to pack and get ready for my vacation! I'm the youngest of eight, and every year we do a siblings week where only the siblings go on vacation. No spouses, no offspring, no in-laws, and no parents. And this year we're going to go to Pismo Beach, California. Don't worry, I'll be sure to share my adventures when I come back. I plan to enjoy my outdoor environment as much as possible while I'm on vacation. We're gonna go on hikes and bike rides and hang out at the beach. But something to consider is that when you're not on vacation and you're at your normal daily routine is our indoor environment. Today, I have Ellen Strickland on as a guest to explain the importance of cleaning up and making our indoor environment as sustainable as possible. Please listen in on my interview with Ellen Strickland. Ellen is considered a pioneer in helping consumers make product choices to improve how they live. She has 40 years of experience in design sustainable living. She has run her own education retail centers in Southern California, designed exhibits for museums, aquariums, and natural history centers with environmentally sound thinking, and now focuses on residential homes and transforming them into healthier environments. Please welcome Ellen Strickland. How do you do, Kayla? Nice to meet you and your audience. So other than what I just said, is there anything else that you want to tell us about yourself to get to know you a little bit better? Uh, well, actually, I would just say that I've been involved in design a lot of my life. I started out as an exhibit designer for about 20, 20 so years for museums, zoos, and aquariums around the country and for different firms as well as on my own as a consultant. And then I moved into, because of that work, I got much more involved in sustainable practices, sustainable design, and what it meant for homeowners to find the right kinds of products that would be beneficial for their uh, healthiest home life possible in their remodel or even in new construction. So that's what kind of led me to start the storefronts that were found in Southern California for about, well, from about 1999 through till 2016. And then our new founder of Shades of Green, Angela, has relaunched the business as an online e-commerce uh, format as well, or only, I should say, we've, we've converted to online. All right. Well, when I first read your bio, reading the fact that you designed museums, aquariums, and natural history centers, that just blows my mind. I'm really fascinated by that. Well, what I actually did was exhibits for those centers. I didn't design the buildings themselves, but I was doing exhibit design for a lot of different facilities or organizations around the country. Okay. And then you did all that with sustainability in mind? Actually not in the very beginning. And that was one of the things that led me into sustainability. To my own horror, I found that uh, midway or even later in my history of doing exhibit work, that I had been specifying materials that in fact were not sustainable because it wasn't something that we talked about in the industry very much when I first started out. And here we were designing habitats for natural museums or aquariums and the zoo. And I found that in fact, some of the materials that we specified were actually toxic or harmful for exposure to the, the animals or flora and fauna. And so in that case, I had a lot to relearn. So that's what sort of triggered it for me and got me going on a different path to really learn more about what made uh, materials more sustainable or healthy or non-toxic 
I found that there were a lot of chemicals and toxic substances involved in making some of these materials that made them hazardous, both to flora, fauna, and to us. Wow. So then what, what was the turning point that got you to shift from exhibits into residential homes? Uh, I think realizing, quite honestly, that uh, if it's bad for all these habitats and all the creatures in them, it's bad for us too, and that it applied to our habitat as well, to our homes and where we were spending most of our time, which would include homes, offices, workspaces, schools, every place that we spend most of our hours indoors. What should I be concerned about in regards to my indoor environment that these materials are polluting? I would think that the manufacturers would make them safe for a living residence, but I guess not. Well, I think the simplest way that I have found to explain it to myself is that the world that we live in is made up of a lot of products and materials made by different companies. And they don't necessarily design and manufacture and produce products and materials to be compatible with each other. Their job is to make sure that their product works well, performs well, is made to last a long time, and to do the job that people want it to do as consumers. The problem we develop is that in our homes, if you look around, I don't know where you're sitting right now, but if you look around your living room, you have different products and materials that make up the furniture, the floor, the walls, the ceilings, and all the accessories and things that you have in the space. They're all made from different chemicals, combinations of chemicals, different materials that are both natural and synthetic. And what happens in a lot of cases is that those don't play well together in the same play yard. And not only that, some of them are made of things that we're actually not compatible with. And in other words, for us, we could be allergic to them. We could find them harmful or hazardous to our health. And so the more you add different kinds of chemicals and materials and products into your home, the bigger the chemical soup is that you're trying to live with and deal with. And so that becomes one of the real problems for people in doing a remodel or a reconstruction or just building from scratch is how do you minimize the numbers of hazardous exposures that you have in your own home or in your school or your space that you're inhabiting most of your waking hours? Yeah, you're right. I do spend most of my day indoors. <laughs> I mean, I wake up in my house and then I get in my car to drive to work where I stay indoors the whole day so I can get back inside my car to travel home <laughs> where I might go outside for a 20 to 30 minute walk. <laughs> that's really kind of scary now you think about it because that's a, as you said, chemical soup. That's a whole lot of varieties of chemical soups with all the different locations. That's just, wow, that's just so eye-opening. And Kaylin, there are a lot of statistics now that say that, in fact, the indoor environment is much more toxic than the outdoor one. You know, we have historically said, oh, the, the air pollution and the water pollution and everything that we've uh, been reading about and learned about since really the 60s and 70s, as we became more aware of it, we used to sort of highlight as the feature and the problem was the outdoor pollution. Well, in fact, indoor is actually worse in many cases. Goodness gracious. So what are some things I should focus on to help transform my home? Because I've already bought it, so I can't change exactly everything, but what are like the key things to focus on? Okay. So if we start simply, we can say some of the things we can do that don't cost us a ton of money, but we can do right away are fairly simple. Well, the first most important thing I'd say is to put a walk-off mat or a doormat outside your front door, any doors that you're using to come in and out of your house. Because one of the things you want to do is be able to wipe your feet or your pet's feet or your children's feet 
to make sure that all the dust and dirt from outside is not being traipsed into the home because that kind of dust and dirt and also all the things you step on that you don't even know what they are, are things that you don't want to bring into your living space where then you have pets and children or you walking barefoot and exposing yourself to them all the time. It also helps to minimize some of the cleaning that you have to do inside, as well as reduce allergies to things like dust or particles that may be coming in from outside. So a doormat is a simple thing you can start with. Another thing is to try to do your best to improve indoor air quality in the space as much as you can. And sometimes it just means opening a door or window to get some fresh air periodically throughout the day. If you don't live in a place where that's actually a good idea because you're next to a highway or you're in a very congested area where you know that that's just gonna bring in pollution from cars, then it might be a little better to consider getting an air purifier of some kind that you add to your space to help just remove some of the particulates that you can. Another thing to consider is vacuuming with a HEPA filter in your vacuum. And if you have an older vacuum where that's not possible, it may not be an easy thing to do, but you could certainly, if you're switching or upgrading your vacuum or just check to see if the one you have has a HEPA filter, what these filters tend to do is take out many of the smaller particulates that are floating around in the air on the furniture and in the flooring or in the carpet. And it allows you to actually do more to extract those kinds of particulates from your environment. Another one I'd say you could do is if you consider that you're going to do a remodel or you just want to spruce up a room, you want to consider using a zero VOC paint. Zero VOC means no volatile organic chemicals that you're adding to the space. So what you're doing is uh, minimizing the amount of off-gassing from the paint and the surface material that you're putting on your walls. So that's something that helps quite a lot. It, if you can smell it, usually that means there's a problem. <laughs> so I just find it's a good practice, especially when I have the fam family spaces that I consider using zero VOC paints to improve the indoor air quality. Those are all excellent points, things that I, like I do, but I didn't really consider the sustainability point of it. So I'm glad that you brought all those up. I was gonna ask about energy efficient appliances or getting new windows or a new roof. Like we have a, like a solar, a special solar roof that's more energy efficient. Do, do those help? in any way, or do you recommend those? So there are two issues about sustainability. There's one that's the impact on the environment, and the other is the impact on the health of you and your, in the interior space of your home. So what the solar is going to do is improve the energy efficiency of your home because you're getting a free source, so to speak. You're getting solar energy as opposed to having to go to gas or oil or electricity that's generated from another source you're getting it from the sun. So what that does is save you money, absolutely. In terms of the overall health of your home, that's, that's going to involve different kinds of choices, like choosing the kinds of cleaners that you use or what kinds of materials you use to upholster or furnish your home with, how you maintain the space, how you maintain the air quality in the space. And there are things you can use, there are tools now out in the marketplace that allow you to monitor some of these things. For instance, there's a product that I have at my house called an AWAIR, A-W-A-I-R. And it's actually a great little device. It helps me monitor the VOC level in my house, the air quality, the humidity, 
all the different attributes to the indoor air, which is important, you know, for the overall health of the indoor space. In terms of the insulation or other materials I could do in a remodel to help make it more energy efficient, certainly improving the insulation and the choice that you use, the, the one you select to use for insulation, will have both a health and energy efficiency impact on the home. So with the appliances and windows and the roof, you're right, there, there are two different forms of sustainability. And I'm glad that you were able to explain that so well. Going back to originally, like the things that I could do to my house, I just thought about this because we installed this only a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. We got a UV light for our air conditioning system. Oh, yeah, I've heard that these are very effective. Okay, good. I was like, I hope it is because otherwise the salesman really got us because we were all excited about it, but it was not cheap. <laughs> well, it's true. Oh, okay, good. There, you know, when it comes to your air system, there's some general maintenance things you can do even before you start looking at what additional filters you can add. But the thing that's important about your air system is that if you have a whole house system, you want to make sure that the filters stay clean. So there's maintenance to do to make sure that they get cleaned or replaced, either one. And then you also want to make sure that the ducts themselves, where the air is traveling through, is staying clean. And sometimes there can be problems with this during construction because of the way things get constructed, where maybe they weren't cleared or cleaned out prior to the, the uh, residents moving in. And so in your case, you may wanna just check with your, whoever does the maintenance on your air system, that in fact, the ducts themselves, as well as the filters are, are, rema are remaining clean as well as clear. Yes, yes, they did. So okay, <laughs> we had to good. pay extra for that too, but <laughs> I'm glad that we did. <laughs> yeah, energy efficiency, yes. It pertains to the heating of the system, the cooling of your home, the way the systems run themselves, all of these things that require energy are going to affect and impact how much you have to pay and spend. So of course, the more efficient system you get, and this includes your appliances as well, the ones that get rated with what's called Energy Star, these are going to be the most efficient ones out on the market. Sometimes it has to do with size. Sometimes it has to do with the kind of motor they use. Sometimes it has to do with the actual function of the appliance, what you're asking it to do. For example, a toaster oven or a dryer or anything that has to heat up uses energy to heat. That's going to be more expensive to run and sometimes to maintain. Oh, see, I knew of Energy Star, but I didn't realize everything that you just explained about it. So that's really cool. Thank you. Sure. If listeners and myself, we make all of these changes within our homes, what are some of the positive impacts that we would see from these changes? So some of the direct things that happen is when you improve the energy efficiency of your home or you change out appliances to be more efficient than the ones you may have had because they were older, a couple of things will be different. You'll off-gas less into the space because a lot of the newer devices and appliances don't use the same kinds of refrigerants that they used to, which were actually hazardous and toxic to the environment. So that's one great improvement. The second one is just sheer cost. The more energy efficient they are, they tend to require less energy, so they will cost you less to run. And then there are other direct things that are going to happen with making some of the changes we were just mentioning. 
that the air temperature will be more consistent in your home when you improve the insulation factor, whether it be through doors, windows, or the insulation that you add into an attic or crawl spaces or behind the wall. Those things are all going to help quite a lot with controlling the temperature and the quality of the air as well. Then there's things that you can just do simply that are more about the interior decoration or decor where the kinds of materials you choose will actually help improve the indoor air quality as well. There's a plaster that gets used quite a bit from a company called American Clay, where the surface, once it up, it actually improves the air exchange in your spaces. So it actually improves the air quality just by being there up on the wall, as long as it's open to the space. So that's kind of an interesting thing. And then when you use different kinds of paints or fabrics or materials in the space that don't off-gas, that also is going to improve the indoor air quality. Wow, you are so knowledgeable about all this stuff. <laughs> well, it, I guess you just learn a lot of tricks when you do it for a lot of years. <laughs> you are just blowing my mind. I'm, I'm so glad that you're a guest on this podcast. Well, With you. all of this knowledge that you've acquired, you have created a residential company and that is called Shades of Green. Would you like to tell us about that? So after selling a lot of these products and materials in storefronts, brick and mortar storefronts, with the change in our world of shifting to transitioning to online, brick and mortar doesn't have the same impact that it used to. And so those stores closed in 2016, but my goddaughter, Angela, who is now the founder and owner of uh, Shades of Green, has actually relaunched or transitioned all of this knowledge, if you will, into an e-commerce platform called Shades of Green, which is available to everybody online. And our first categories that we've started with are home decor, as well as personal on-the-go products. And these are things that will apply to everybody as well, but we had to sort of start somewhere and then we'll shift and expand on the categories as the company grows. I did go to your website and I checked it out and I discovered a product I had never seen before, which is rare because huh? I've been doing the sustainability thing for a couple of years now. So I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on it, but I saw a rechargeable candle lighter and I've never seen that before. Yeah. Why is that more sustainable than a match? So Angela found it. And what I would say is if you were putting it up against a match, you know, a lot of people would say, well, the match is more sustainable. It's a one-time use and you have minimal waste. You have the little stick of paper. What, what you get with the rechargeable lighter is you get the opportunity to not use lighter fluid or butane. So this is a butane-free and lighter fluid-free lighting device that actually allows you through what's called plasma technology or double arc technology, it allows you to light the surface that you're trying to light without causing a flame that sometimes is dangerous or in the wind, you know, could possibly scorch something else. So this is just arcs that it control or the transmission of the heat that's going to light the surface. So in this case, it would be a great, it's a great alternative to use on a grill, a candle, or in your fireplace in your home or any other surface that you're trying to light. Um, I know that it's been used on things that uh, people will smoke or vape as well. So, you know, it's, it's a safer thing and healthier for everybody involved. I'm glad that you mentioned I could also use this on the grill because, well, I don't grill, but my husband does. So, yeah. and he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> so okay. that is now going to go on his Christmas list and he doesn't know it. 
was a great gizmo for him. And then the other thing you can tell him is that because it's rechargeable by a, uh, a USB portal or port, you get about 300 lights per charge. So it actually lasts for a really long time and it will go a whole lot longer than that book of matches did. That is so cool. Well, excellent find. That's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I discovered on your website that you also provide some services. Can you explain those? Yeah, so over the years, we've worked with different um, customers that we had in the stores who were either in the involved in doing a remodel of their home or they wanted to start just a freshen up of some space in their home or in their office or where their kids were going to school. Or There were a lot of different opportunities that came up over the years where we could help our clients or customers find and make better choices in all the different steps and phases of their remodel. So sometimes it wasn't always just the things we had listed in the store available for sale. And especially that would be the case now with the e-commerce, but it allows us to help provide them with more uh, in-depth information and product information specific that will help them create healthier, more sustainable uh, interiors. One of the things that was also important over the years is we found that we had a lot of customers who had things like chemical sens sensitivities or health challenges that they were facing that meant they couldn't use a lot of materials that were sort of standard in the industry. And so it's sometimes that I guess our, our mission, if you will, would be to help them find the healthiest products or materials available to make their interiors safe for them and their family. Another thing we've done for several clients is, is create what I would call a green product guide. So we take the specifications for your remodel project and we provide you with the information you need to find those healthy green products that you can then have specified by your architect and your contractor for the job. Is that the product evaluation system that I saw on your website or is that something different? That's just what I would call healthy green product guides. The Shades of Green product evaluation system is what we use as our filter and our process to help us evaluate, assess, and choose a lot of the products that you then see on the website. Now we've done this and we've created a, a system that had its earliest roots in the uh, Southern California stores. What I found was that it helped customers quite a bit to create a guide or, or system, if you will, that was made up of a series of uh, variables or questions that we could use to help us assess which products were greener and for which reasons, depending on your job, where you were in the country and what you were really looking for. And so in the new version of it, in the 2.0 of Shades of Green, what we now have is something that's made up of five life stages that pertain to all product production or products. So you start with where they're sourced from, how they're manufactured, how they perform, what the uh, packaging and shipping materials are that are involved in getting these products to the customer. And then what happens to these products at the maybe end of their first life and do they get a second or a third by being either recycled or upcycled or disassembled into components that can be recycled again. So all of those life stages are involved in the evaluation process, as well as a number of variables. We have five variables and sort of subcategories within each life stage, as well as a whole series of questions that come up that make for a very thorough uh, evaluation or assessment of a product and the company that uh, manufactures or produces it. And so we look at all of these products and rate them, if you will, or score them on a scale of one to five 
one in in our case, one is sort of the lower end of our spectrum of sc of scoring, and then five would be our highest score. Okay, so we we want a five, or we want a you one? want a five. You okay, want we want a five. five. Okay, and I guess the reasoning was that. Uh, the higher number means that it actually scores well in more ways or more attributes. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And you have this for all of your products on your website? Yes. So when you look at the shop uh, drop-down menu, you'll see uh, different categories of products. And then within each one, you could pick any product there. Uh, for example, the USB lighter that you mentioned, and it has a certain rating that, or excuse me, a score that we've given to the product that allows us to tell you with some sub notes and in the product description and why we recommend, you see why we actually give this score to this product based on all the variables in the life stage evaluation of the product and its manufacturer. And you would see the number that it's given from one through five, right near the, right next to the product. Oh, very cool. Well, thanks for doing that. I know that was not an easy task, but I'm glad that you did it because it does make shopping a lot easier. Sure. And it actually makes our job easier to assess the product. Oh yeah. <laughs> so when I look at all of the different products on your website, I tend to see the price and kind of compare it to Target, Walmart, Bed Bath Beyond, and other big box stores. And your products are a little bit more pricey. Can you explain why they are so different? So sometimes there's going to be a very specific reason as to why. It has to do with how it's manufactured. Sometimes it depends on what it's manufactured from. There are a lot of cases where uh, choosing the less expensive product may not help you buy something that's healthier for you to use. There are a lot of times when you're shopping where you, if you go for the cheapest price and you haven't checked what it's made from or where it came from or how it got to this country or how it got to you, you'll find that some of the decisions that went into, um, went into making that product and getting it to you were perhaps what I would call the softer, easier way and cheapest. And that isn't always the best solution either for us or the planet, because what it means sometimes is things are made out of materials that in fact have toxic chemicals in them, or they extract resources in a way that are, that's not environmentally sound, or that in fact, the way it's transported or where they had to get it from to get it to you costs a lot in energy, time, and distance. So there are a lot of different factors that go into evaluating the product and then having to choose the ones that sometimes, yes, are more expensive in terms of actual cost on the dollar. But what I have to always say to anybody is, is your health worth it? Yeah, I, I do agree. That's why I asked that question. I was like, I noticed the price, but I don't want listeners to go to your website and immediately get scared away. I want them to understand why and, and the importance of sourcing and understanding the materials and where all of that comes from. But I do know that you can help us out because you've got a rewards program. Please share the details on that. So every time you've made a purchase, that's immediate reward points that go into your account. By shopping with us, you actually establish an account. You have a profile of your own. And each time you do shop with us, that's more points that go in. That means more discount on your next purchase or that you can pass on to a gift card to someone else or simply in just purchasing a product for somebody else. 
So you do much like credit cards, you're getting the same kind of recycling or circling back to your own reward system with every purchase you make. Awesome. Well, I'm excited about that. So if listeners have additional questions that maybe I have not asked, what is the best way for them to get a hold of you? Sure. You could reach us, obviously, through the website at www.shadesofgreen.com. So S-H-A-D-E-S-O-F-G-R-E-E-N.com. You can also write to me directly if they're interested to ellen.strickland, S-T-R-I-C-K-L-A-N-D, and first name is E-L-L-E-N. So ellen.strickland at shadesofgreen.com. All right. Well, before we go, I'd like to play a game called the king of which will actually we're going to change that because now it's the queen of because we're both ladies. So it's the queen of game. I don't know if you've heard of this before. I haven't actually. A topic would be named and then we would take turns naming as many categories of that topic. For example, we'd say breeds of dogs. And then you and I would go back and forth naming all the different breeds of dogs, basically until, until one of us can't think of anything. And then the other person is now the reigning champ. Okay. Okay. I'll give it a shot. All right. But it's not going to be dogs for us. It's going to be, are you ready? Yes. (laughs) Shades of green. (laughs) Okay. Would you like to go first? So do I want to relate it to particular products or things or it's just free free, free flow? Excuse me, I can say what I'd like. We'll say free flow, mostly like the different colors of greens and I'll even accept like green phrases. Okay, I can start with budding green. Oh, see, I've not even heard of that one. I'm pretty sure I'm going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got hunter green. Uh, deep forest. Oh yeah, I'm totally gonna lose. Um, <laughs> Kelly green, seagrass green. Oh, whew, you scared me. I have sea foam green as my next one that I could think of. Uh, green building materials. I'm gonna switch uh, categories on you there. Okay. And green with envy. Uh, green choices. How about mint green? Back to colors. Okay. Uh, Seafoam green. Oh, I said that one already. You got another oh, one? Oh, okay. Uh, and I did seagrass. Evergreen. Oh, that's a good one. How about grass stain green? Does that count? Uh, grass stain green. I'll give it to you. That's good. Okay. <laughs> it's on my kids' clothes all the time. I figure that should count for something. Pistachio green. Ooh. Oh, I just had one. Oh, green apple. Okay. This is getting um, hard now. Fresh green. Oh, I was trying to come up with something for like when you're sick and you get like a, a sick green, like ill yes. green, like when your face turns green. Yes. I don't know, but I can't think of what the actual phrase is called. Uh, pea green, I think, is one that gets used sometimes. Oh, man, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, is asparagus green a color? I'm going off of yes. the vegetable thing now. Well, we can go in there. Broccoli green. <laughs> Kale green. String bean green. <laughs> Spinach green. <laughs> uh, green onion green. Green onions. Ooh, yeah. Green bell peppers. Okay. Uh, green bananas. Oh, I don't like those, but that was a good one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shoot. Green. I think I'm out. 
I'm out. I can't think of anything else, man. You, you win. Really my brain <laughs> on that one. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, eco green. I was like, well, we kind yes. of already did that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Good job. You did fantastic. Well, thank you. You are now the queen of green. Thank you, Kaylin. <laughs> that was an easier way to earn that title. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show and dropping some knowledge for sure. I feel like I need to go and totally reevaluate my house. <laughs> oh, no. I think this, the nice thing or the best way I, I encourage people to look at it is just one step at a time. Just do one piece. Each decision you make and each choice and each purchase, they all help. Thank you so much again. It was great talking to you and, and best of luck with your future endeavors. All right. Thanks very much. Thank you. Right. Bye. Bye. Thank you again, Ellen, for sharing all the information that you have about our indoor environments and how important it is to focus on cleaning up and keeping our indoor environments sustainable. Before we go, we got to do the weekly challenge. Let me open up my box here and draw a card. This week's challenge says... Cleaning products are often made with harsh chemicals that are not biodegradable. Research natural homemade cleaning products that can be made with simple ingredients. Oh yeah, there are tons of natural cleaners out there that are safe. Lots and lots of options. This week, I will post this weekly challenge on the Facebook group, which is Starting Sustainability, and it would be fantastic if everybody could leave a comment of the cleaning products that they use or the ones that they have found that are sustainable and even give them a rating, give them a review. Be like, I found this and it's terrible, or I found this product over here and it's the best thing ever. <laughs> so let us know and share with the group. That way we can all be sustainable together. Next week on the show, I have youth activist Sarah Goody talk about her start in becoming eco-conscious as a sixth grader, and within a few short years, she went from attending marches to leading them. Hear her incredible story next week. Thank you all again for listening in on this week's episode. I hope everybody has a wonderful rest of the week. I will be on vacation next week, although I will still have an episode launching, hopefully if I can figure out how to launch it in advance properly. <laughs> if not, we may have to wait a week. Until then, continue to stay sustainable. Bye. <laughs>